Section 23 of Whom We Shall Welcome. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Whom We Shall Welcome. Report of the President's Commission on Immigration and Naturalization. Part 5. Chapter 13a. The Deportation of Aliens. The United States has the legal right to expel any alien at any time. In practice, every alien admitted in accordance with law is permitted to remain so long as he observes the conditions laid down by Congress. If he elects to become a citizen and successfully meets the required qualifications, he acquires a new status, with immunities, privileges, and rights not vested in an alien here as with other discussions of complaints against the immigration laws it is well to remember that it is for congress to establish the terms and conditions under which aliens are permitted to enter and remain in the united states it is for congress to determine what measures affecting aliens are best suited to meet the needs and promote the security of the nation the position of the resident alien has been fruitful of much controversy through the years in this and other countries most immigrants except visitors and non-immigrant laborers enter the united states with the intention of remaining permanently and becoming citizens and most of them do become citizens others remain indefinitely some for life but never renounce allegiance to their native countries and never become citizens Congress could require all aliens, after a specified length of time, to become naturalized citizens or to leave the country. But Congress has not seen fit to enact such a requirement, and the Commission makes no such recommendation. Congress has chosen to allow aliens, legally admitted, to remain, and has even made provisions at times for permanent residence by those who are here illegally. It will be agreed so long as the law permits aliens to remain in this country without time limit that a moral if not a legal obligation exists to treat such people fairly especially where as in this country the alien is permitted to become a full-fledged member of the community in which he lives to be employed to own property to marry and raise a family to pay taxes to serve in the armed forces and otherwise to participate in all activities save those reserved for citizens such as voting it is clear therefore that to aliens who have lived in the united states for many years who have become integrated into its community life and whose ties to their mother country may have become remote and purely technical a deportation order becomes the most severe and cruel penalty imaginable it may be the equivalent of banishment or exile and the supreme court has pointed out that deportation may result in the loss of both property and life of all that makes life worth living a few examples illustrate types of hardships resulting from our immigration laws with respect to deportation case one the alien came to the united states in nineteen twenty one at the age of sixteen Within five years after his entry, he was involved in an automobile accident, which resulted in the death of a child. He was convicted of manslaughter, served a sentence, and was paroled. More than five years later, he was ordered deported. Case 2. The alien entered the United States with his grandparents in 1916, at the age of 13. 
In 1922, he married a native-born American, and they had two sons. During World War II, his sons served honorably in the armed forces of the United States. He was a good worker and family man, and never had been arrested for any offense. In applying for naturalization in 1949, he voluntarily disclosed that he had been a member of the Communist Party for a few months in 1934 or 1935, had paid about 90 cents to that organization, had dropped out of it, and had had nothing to do with it since. His deportation was ordered. Case 3. The alien entered the United States with his parents in 1913, at the age of three months. His three brothers and two sisters were born in the United States. In 1930, when 17 years of age, he was convicted of attempted larceny and in 1932 was convicted of robbery. He was ordered deported. Case 4. The alien came to the United States in 1913 and left in 1921, returning again in 1925 without a visa. For failing to disclose his absence from the United States between 1921 and 1925, he was convicted of perjury. He has been steadily employed in steel mills since 1933, and his conduct in other respects has not been questioned. His family is in the United States, and his two sons are American citizens. Many years after his conviction for perjury, his deportation was ordered. These random examples could be multiplied indefinitely. In each of these instances, courts publicly criticized the unreasonable harshness of the deportation statute, but they were powerless to mitigate its effect. A substantial number of responsible organizations and individuals urged the Commission to recommend abolition of all deportation except where entry into the United States had been obtained by fraud. They pointed out that Australia grants complete immunity from deportation, in peacetime, to aliens with three years' residence. In other countries, such as Belgium and Brazil, certain groups of aliens are exempt, especially where they have tied their future to the country by residence or marriage. The Commission believes that the suggested abolition of all deportation is much broader than necessary to accomplish its purpose. The suggestion really aims at two grievances. 1. Some of our present substantive legal requirements for deportation are unreasonable. 2. Some of our present procedures for administrative and judicial review of deportation orders and for the exercise of discretionary relief are inadequate. The Commission believes that appropriate changes to remedy these wrongs, rather than the total abolition of deportation, is the desirable solution. The first of these grievances, relating to the substantive provisions of law on deportation, is discussed in this chapter. The second is covered by the Commission's recommendation for the establishment of a statutory board of immigration and visa appeals, Chapter 10 and the recommendation for a statutory method of appealing from such board's decisions to the courts. Chapter 11. These recommendations, and the additional recommendations made in this chapter, the Commission is convinced would meet most of the complaints against the injustices of our present deportation system, and still retain necessary and adequate provisions for protection of the United States. The following table indicates the operation of the deportation process for the last three years for which figures are presently available. 
Table 14. Deportations, 1949, 1950, and 1951. Aliens deported from the United States by country or region to which deported. Years ended June 30, 1949, 1950, and 1951. Country or region to which deported. All countries, 1949, 20,040. 1950, 6,628. 1951, 13,544. Europe, 1949, 983. 1950, 947. 1951, 1,537. Asia, 1949, 225. 1950, 244. 1951, 238. Canada, 1949, 869. 1950, 737. 1951, 1,100. Mexico, 1949, 16,903. 1950, 3,319. 1951, 8,928. West Indies, 1949, 346. 1950, 722. 1951, 1,071. Central America, 1949, 152. 1950, 144. 1951, 163. South America, 1949, 149. 1950, 160. 1951, 269. Africa, 1949, 39. 1950, 47. 1951, 46. Other countries, 1949, 374. 1950, 308. 1951, 192. Table 14, Deportations, 1949, 1950, and 1951, Continued. Aliens deported from the United States by cause. Years ended June 30th, 1949, 1950, and 1951. Cause. All causes. 1949, 20,040. 1950, 6,628. 1951, 13,544. Criminals. 1949, 1,024. 1950, 790. 1951, 1,036. Immoral classes. 1949, 76. 1950, 53. 1951, 67. Violators of narcotic laws. 1949, 70. 1950, 55. 1951, 62. Mental or physical defectives. 1949, 82. 1950, 53. 1951, 45. Previously excluded or deported. 1949, 3815. 1950, 553. 1951, 940. Remained longer than authorized. 
nineteen forty nine one thousand three hundred seventy nine nineteen fifty one thousand six hundred sixty one nineteen fifty one three thousand two hundred eighty nine entered without proper documents nineteen forty nine nine hundred ninety eight nineteen fifty one thousand three hundred fifty two nineteen fifty one five thousand three hundred twenty two entered without inspection or by false statements nineteen forty nine twelve thousand ninety four nineteen fifty one thousand seven hundred thirty four nineteen fifty one two thousand two hundred ninety three likely to become public charges nineteen forty nine twenty nineteen fifty thirty eight nineteen fifty one fourteen subversive or anarchistic nineteen forty nine four nineteen fifty six nineteen fifty one eighteen miscellaneous nineteen forty nine one hundred forty nine nineteen fifty one hundred nine nineteen fifty one one sixty source immigration and naturalization service annual report for nineteen fifty one page sixty one these figures do not include a large volume of illegal entrants principally from mexico who depart voluntarily in lieu of deportation the commission has been informed that a substantial proportion of deportations are based on technical violations of the laws which prescribe the formal procedures that must be followed in entering the united states deportation is an aspect of exclusion the deportation power complements the power to exclude when an alien enters or remains in the united states in violation of immigration laws the statute should enable him to be deported within a reasonable period however certain revisions of existing law should be made technical violations our immigration statutes contain many complex prerequisites for admission to the united states by the same token an alien who has entered may be deported at any subsequent time if it is discovered that his entry was irregular in any particular this may be true under the present situation even though the alien was entirely blameless many of the immigration requirements are highly technical thus the law requires for example a correct determination of nationality for quota purposes the issue of particular types of entry documents and the execution of appropriate agreements by transportation lines which bring aliens to contiguous territory in many such cases the alien himself has nothing to do with the actual compliance with the technicalities of law a failure to observe these or a multitude of other technical requirements makes the alien's entry irregular and therefore under present law renders him subject to expulsion the commission believes that if the alien acts in good faith and is passed by immigration officers there is no substantial reason why his status in the united states should continue to be insecure because of the error of the administrative officials the commission recommends that when an alien is admitted for permanent residence in the united states by immigration officers he should not in the absence of any fraud or other illegality for which he is to blame be subject to deportation for technical defects in connection with his entry or status statute of limitations 
that it is wrong to keep the threat of punishment indefinitely over the head of one who breaks the law is a principle deeply rooted in the ancient traditions of our legal system the law requires that criminal prosecutions except for capital offences such as murder and treason be brought within a fixed period of time or not at all a similar dispensation governs the enforcement of civil liabilities prosecutions for many serious crimes under federal law generally are precluded unless brought within three years after the crimes were committed the three-year statute of limitations applies to bribery counterfeiting forgery extortion mail fraud perjury and robbery prosecutions for frauds against the united states generally are governed by a six-year statute of limitations under the immigration act of nineteen seventeen aliens who entered in violation of law were subject to deportation only if expulsion proceedings were commenced against them within five years after the improper entry in connection with the grounds for deportation specified in the nineteen twenty four act no statute of limitations applied the act of nineteen fifty two eliminated the provision of the nineteen seventeen act and therefore an alien now is subject to deportation at any time for even minor technical violations the statement in the congressional conference report that the conferees have provided for a statute of limitations as contained in the house version in accord with humanitarian principles refers only to the exceedingly narrow provision that mental disease or economic distress after entry will justify deportation at any subsequent time only if it occurred within five years after entry under the act of nineteen fifty two deportation proceedings for any cause specified in the statute can be brought at any time after entry and are not subject to any statute of limitations indeed the nineteen fifty two statute retroactively rescinded the limited statute of limitations fixed by previous law an alien who entered the united states twenty-five years ago and whose entry involved a purely technical violation enjoyed immunity from deportation for the last twenty years under the nineteen fifty two act he is now again subject to deportation that act threatens the security of many aliens and their families their immunities have been removed and they may be torn out of their accustomed places in the communities in which they live no matter how exemplary their conduct over a long period of years instead of being a humanitarian measure as the congressional conferees on the act of nineteen fifty two characterized it the new act actually restores the threat of cruel and inhuman punishment for offences long since forgiven this undue severity is underscored by the fact that although prosecutions for aggravated criminal violations of the immigration laws are subject to a three-year statute of limitations deportation proceedings for such violations as well as for infractions which offend no criminal law are governed by no statute of limitations and may be brought more than say twenty or forty years after an alien entered the united states no one has suggested any sound reason why the purpose of limitations recognition of the unfairness involved in requiring a person to make a defense long after the event when it is difficult or impossible to assemble witnesses and evidence does not apply to immigration matters at least with equal force as to prosecutions for serious crimes 
it is said that the existence of a statute of limitations would encourage aliens to enter the united states in violation of the immigration laws a person who enters or remains in the united states in violation of the immigration laws should be subject to deportation from the united states but the consequences of such a violation should be enforced against him within a reasonable time there is a fundamental public purpose which is served by statutes of limitations for crimes and in civil actions this is just as important an objective of law enforcement as the avoidance of violation of law a statute of limitations on deportations has been part of our laws for sixty-five years the five-year period of limitations was in our immigration laws since 1917 and until removed by the Act of 1952. The Commission believes that a period of ten years within which proceedings must be brought after the commission of an act for which deportation is provided is ample for the government to ascertain that a violation had occurred and to take action against the offender the commission recommends that the immigration statute should provide that a deportation proceeding may not be commenced against any alien more than ten years after the violation occurred deportation for reasons of security is discussed in chapter fifteen residents who have been temporarily absent abroad the re-entry doctrine chapter twelve discusses the re-entry doctrine which holds that the excluding provisions of the immigration laws apply fully to an alien resident of the united states who returns from a temporary visit abroad however brief the unreasonableness of this rule is illustrated most graphically in deportation cases the facts often come to light in naturalization proceedings questioning sometimes reveals that the applicant once committed a minor offense or suffered a disability from which he has completely recovered although these circumstances do not in themselves make the alien deportable if he ever went on a trip to havana montreal or tijuana for example he becomes subject to deportation as an alien who was excludable when he re-entered the united states legally every return of an alien to the united states is regarded as if he were coming to the united states for the first time the impact of the re-entry doctrine on resident aliens of the united states is illustrated by the following two cases which are typical of hundreds of others case one the alien was lawfully admitted to the united states for permanent residence in nineteen thirty two in 1939, on a plea of not guilty, she was convicted of a theft charge. She was fined one dollar and costs. This conviction did not make her deportable. In December 1939, she re-entered the United States after a short visit to Mexico. An alien who committed the crime of theft before entering the United States is inadmissible to the United States by departing from the united states and then re-entering the alien was herself in the position of a person who committed theft before entry and was deportable in nineteen forty she was arrested in deportation proceedings on the ground that she had committed theft a crime involving moral turpitude prior to her last entry in december nineteen thirty nine the alien's husband and her three native-born children reside in the united states with her she had no other police record. She was found deportable, but the Attorney General ordered cancellation of the proceedings under discretionary authority. Case 2. 
the alien a native of yugoslavia was fifty-five years old he first came to the united states in nineteen o nine but there was no record of his entry through administrative process his entry was registered as nineteen thirty nine and his status as a lawfully resident alien confirmed in nineteen twenty four he had been convicted of larceny and placed on a year's probation this matter was considered when his status was adjusted to that of a lawfully permanent resident alien and found not to be a bar to that action in nineteen thirty nine he left the united states for the purpose of settling an estate in yugoslavia he was readmitted in the same year in the same year a warrant of arrest was issued charging him with being deportable as one convicted of a crime prior to entry the alien was found deportable but he was permitted to remain in the United States under discretionary authority. In the past, the law has permitted relief in such cases through the so-called Seventh Proviso, which authorizes the administrative authorities to waive grounds of inadmissibility, and thus deportability, for aliens who have been seven years residents in the United States. Relief under the Seventh Proviso was granted to the majority of qualified aliens who applied for it, Although it accomplished a desirable purpose, this process has generally caused needless trouble and expense to the government and to the alien. The Commission recommends that the re-entry of an alien returning to a lawful permanent residence in the United States following a brief absence shall not be regarded as a new entry under the immigration laws. Such brief absence should not be a factor in the determination as to whether he is subject to deportation. The re-entry doctrine produces many shocking results. Until a contrary opinion was obtained from the courts, the administrative authorities ruled that where an alien unknowingly passed over Canadian territory on a train trip between two points in the United States, he had left the country and made a new entry when the train again reached the United States. In another case, the same situation occurred when a sailor was taken to a nearby foreign port by a ship which rescued him as a survivor of a torpedoed American vessel during World War II. The Supreme Court said that these interpretations were capricious, and that the right to reside in the United States should not become the sport of chance. The Act of 1952 wrote into law provisions which, except for aliens who are lawful permanent residents, will produce the results denounced by the Supreme Court. The Commission recommends that the law in effect prior to 1952 be restored, so that a return following an involuntary absence, even in the case of an alien not lawfully admitted for permanent residence, should not be deemed an entry under the immigration laws. End of section 23.